John chapter 14, verse 27 to 31 is where we're going to be this morning. Um, <clears throat> and so, oh, I know what I was going to tell you. <laughs> Just took a minute. Um, in prepping for this, for this series, it's like as a, as a preacher or, or a, a, a public speaker, an orator, you, you, in your mind, you're delivering it one way, but then, you know, it never really goes that way. So um, I'm, just, I'm just prepping you for maybe a quick sermon. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with that? We're, like, I have short thoughts on this. Um, and um, y'all like, it's not possible. Well, it was possible last week. I got you out of here in 30 minutes, right? So I'm, I'm going to try to beat that record and get you out of here in 20 minutes. Are you, are you with me? All in favor, say yay. That was a trick question. You know that, right? That was really a trick question. Someone escort that man out. His wife can stay. It'll be like days of old when, when, when the head of the house does something wrong, the whole house gets punished. Um, <clears throat> okay, so I see we have one. That, are the Eagles playing? Is that what it is? They're, they're losing anyway. Come on, man. <laughs> There's no hope for them. I think the Giants came back and they're winning the division, huh? Oh, all right. But my Rams are doing good. Ah, where's all the cowboy fans that were hating on me? Yeah. <clears throat> John chapter 14, God's gifts. Here we go, ready? Today's gift that we're going to talk about is peace. And um, how many know, man, it's like, you've heard it before. I, I, I would give anything to have some peace, right? Peace cannot be bought. And... Um, uh, just to have a peace of mind. And, and so we're going to learn, I, I think, um, what Jesus means here in, in 14, 27. And maybe you've read it all your life and it's just like, how do I get that peace? And so here it is. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus, at this point, he, he reiterates himself. Do you, are you familiar with John chapter 14? In the very beginning of John chapter 14, he says, he says to his disciples, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Why would he tell them that? And then he reiterates it at the very end of the same chapter. And, and as he tells them in the very beginning of the chapter, do not let your hearts be troubled. He tells him that he's going away. And he says he's going to prepare a place for them. And he says, if it were not so, I would not tell you this. But in my father's house, there are many rooms, right? And he's telling his disciples this. And he's, he's telling them that so that they can have a, a, a sense of peace in his departure. Because he's looking at them. And, and if, you're, if you have studied... Jesus' life, you know that he's about to come to the end of his life. Jesus at this point had already been tried to, they tried to assassinate Jesus so many times they, and he's escaped and the Lord has protected him. People hate him. I mean, he's, his, his reputation at this point is kind of, you know, it's not doing so well and, and his disciples are recognizing the pressure that's coming from, from not only 
not only the, the religious group of people, but now it's coming from a very um, <laughs> higher authority in the land. It's coming from Caesar. It's coming from Pilate and all these, the government, if you will, is not putting pressure on Jesus because he's the Messiah. He's the, he's the one to come to save the Jews. He's the, he's the one that's going to start the insurrection against, against Rome. You know, so there, there's a lot of pressure right now. And can you imagine being one of Jesus' disciples and feeling that pressure? Feeling like everywhere you go, someone's about to stone him or someone's about to push him over a cliff or someone's about, you know, they're ready to, they're ready to hang him up. So his disciples are feeling this pressure and he tells them, he says, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Why? He says, because... I leave you my peace. I give you my peace. He said, you've heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming, referring to, Jesus, referring to uh, Lucifer. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded. And then he says, come, let us leave. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for sending the Holy Spirit. Jesus is teaching his disciples that he must leave because the Holy Spirit is going to come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings peace. He gives us peace. He gives us the peace that was given to your son. And Jesus says to his disciples that he left his peace. And Lord, we're praying for that peace in our life. We're praying for the peace of heaven that will quiet our minds, that will arrest our souls. God, the peace of heaven that will sustain our walk. It lets us know that everything is going to be okay. We thank you for that peace. Can't earn it. Can't buy it. There's no way to obtain this peace. It only comes. Only comes from heaven. And God, I pray that if there's anyone here today that needs your peace, that they would receive it. They would receive it. In your holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and say, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Come on, you can say it. Turn to your neighbor and say, may the peace of the Lord be with you. And then you can also say, and also with you. Yeah, No. We, you know, we criticize sometimes some other, other religions, but there's, there's, some, there's some truth to that. May the peace of the Lord be with you and also with you. Amen. <clears throat> what comes to mind when you, when, when you think of peace? What comes to mind? What, what's, what's moving around in your heart? What's, what? When someone mentions to you, do you have peace or, or do you need peace, what, what comes to mind? 
Is it a quiet place from the chaos of life? Is that what comes to mind? Is that where you go? Is it a place, is peace to you like watching your children play and, and, and enjoying their life and not having a care in the world? Is that, is that peace to you? Is peace to you staring at a work of art and losing yourself in the imagination of the artist? Is that, is that peace? Could be. I love galleries. I love when I'm in New York and I'm at the Met and I, I, I could spend hours and hours in the Met and just staring at the work of art just going, my goodness, it's peaceful. It gives me peace. <clears throat> is, is peace sitting in, in your favorite chair on your porch and watching the sunrise or, or maybe a sunset? Is that peace to you? I don't know. I, what, what, what is peace? When you think of the word peace, is, is peace a happy marriage? Is, is peace great relationships? Maybe peace to you is a secure job. Money coming in your house, that's peace to you. Maybe peace to you is is, is a, a healthy lifestyle. It's not to me. I, I, I get no peace in, in, in working out or eating good. Trust me. It actually brings strife and hostility into my life. I'm pretty grumpy. It's, it's not peace. But, but when, when you think about the word peace, what comes to your heart? Because it, it's, it's definitely an abstract word. Because what's peaceful to me might not be peaceful to you, and what's peaceful to you might not be peaceful to others. But the Bible talks a lot about peace, and it talks about God's peace, and it talks about us having God's peace. And, and if, we, if we want to live a peaceful life, there are some things that we need to understand about the Bible so that we can have peace in our hearts. Those things that I mentioned and probably some things that you thought about that bring peace to you, they, they probably do. They probably bring a sense of joy and a sense of assurance and stability in your life. But can I tell you that that type of peace is a peace from the world? That's exactly what Jesus was referring to when he says, I give you my peace and I leave you my peace, but I do not give it to you as the world does. You see, those things aren't bad in themselves. They're actually good when you think about it. Maybe peace to you is going for a walk and just, just clearing your, clearing your, your head and, and just or reading a good book. I, I don't know. Those things can be peaceful, but you need to know that, that that's worldly peace. And, and, and in themselves, they are appropriate. However, they're fading. They're fragile. Worldly peace is very fragile. It's just a moment. It's just, it, it takes a moment for something to happen before your peace is shattered. And that's, that's, that's the, the, the unfortunate side of worldly peace. However, you know, Jesus teaches that, that his peace isn't fading. His peace never leaves us. His peace is always with us, always. And, and the peace that, that heaven sends to us only comes one way. Only comes one way. 
I have three quick points for you. I told you I'm going to get you out of here in 20 minutes. You're going to learn some things about peace, and then we're going to go. We're going to pray. We might sing a little. But the first thing you need to know is that, is that Jesus is the source of peace. He is the source of peace. Just like he said throughout the Gospels when they record his life, all the claims that he made about his life, he says, he says I am the good shepherd. He's, he's the one who takes care of us, right? He says, I am the bread of life. He's the one that gives us life, not only in this world, but in the world to come. He's, he's, he's the morning star, right? He's the, he's, the, he's the alpha and the omega. Like, he makes these claims of who he is. And, and here he's telling his disciples that that. There's something that comes from him, and it's a gift, and the gift is peace. And, and there's, there's the only person that can give it to him is Jesus. He says it right there in verse 27. Says, he says, my peace I give you. He's the only one that can give you the peace. He's the only one that can quiet your heart. He's the only one that can, that can wrestle against the chaos in your life. He is the only one that can give you the peace that never fades, that, that's not fragile, that's not going to shake under pressure, that's not going to disappear when trouble comes your way. That's the peace you need. That's the peace I need. That's the peace that we long for. But we must understand that he is the source of the peace, that his peace comes through no one else and nothing else. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. There's nothing that you can do to coerce it. It only comes through Jesus. So that's very important for us. And peace from Jesus is one of the indescribable gifts as we have learned last week from, from 2 Corinthians 9.15 that God's gifts are indescribable. It's one of those, it's one of those gifts to, our, to us and it comes by way of Jesus. And, and the Holy Spirit that lives in us. So how do, you, how do you receive this peace? For some of you, this might be elementary, but for some of us, it, it, it's just the truth. And, and, you, and you need to hear it. Maybe some of us that have been walking with God for a very long time need to be reminded of the simple truth of the peace of the Lord. So if you are asking God for peace in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your struggle right now, in the midst of anything that you are facing, and you're like, God, I just need your peace, you need to know that the only way you're going to receive the peace of Jesus is to be in a relationship with Jesus. It is the only way. You cannot live this life the way you want to live. You can't do what you want to do. You can't just, you know, go and, 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 and as they would say, you know, spend your wild oats and, and, uh, and then decide to come on Sunday and ask for the peace of the Lord. It doesn't work that way. His peace is not going to come. His peace only comes through a relationship with Jesus. It is so critical that we understand that. Sometimes we want the blessings and the gifts of God <laughs> separate from the commands of God, separate from the relationship with God. We get it. We've been there. We, we, we've asked our parents for, you know, for, for the blessing and not their, and not their rules, right? We, we've done that. We've lived in the house and we've like, mom, dad, you know, I need gas money. I need food money. 
uh, but I'm going to do what I want to do and just, just let me stay, stay here. And your parents are like, I'm not running a hotel, you know. They give you the old lecture. We understand what that, what that means. But let me walk you through, let me walk you through some passages of Scripture out of Romans. And, and those of you that, that have not been raised in church or maybe ha- are not familiar with, with a Christian view of, of the Bible, what I'm about to teach you is, is an old school, what they call the, the, the roads of Romans, a Romans road to salvation, right? That's an old school of understanding how to get into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the very first thing that we need to understand, as Paul would teach in Romans, in Romans you know, 3, 20, 22 through 25, he says, listen, the, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So there's righteousness that comes from Jesus, but you have to believe in him, right? There is no difference between Jews and Gentiles, for all have, for all have sinned. Here's, the, here's the, the point. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because we have sinned, because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, we need a Savior. And, and he, said, he continues, and all, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to, receive, to be received by faith. The first thing we need to understand in order to go into a relationship with Jesus, to be in a relationship with Jesus, is that you are a sinner, is that I'm a sinner. That's the very first thing that we need to understand. We need to understand that there's no righteousness in us and who we are. The righteousness comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ, as Paul would, as we just read, that there's a, there's a righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. So the first thing we need to do is, is recognize that we are sinners, that we have all sinned. And that word all means there's no one in here that is exempt from that. There's no one in here that, that, is, that is above this and saying, you know what, I have no sin in my life. I have never sinned. I, I am perfect. I, I, I am in right relationship with God. That is a farce. That, that is a, an erroneous teaching. And I, I hope that's not where you ascribe your religious beliefs to. But I'm here to tell you that Paul says we have all sinned. We've come into this world with sin. And the only way our sin gets washed and the only way we become righteous is through Jesus Christ. That's it. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, the consequences for the sin. We, we have all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. And now there's consequences for that sin. And the consequences of that sin is to spend eternity without God. It's, it's to die. And when Paul uses the word death here, he's not referring to the physical death that we, that we are, 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 are going to experience. Or some of us, Jesus might come back before some pass away. But he's referring to the second death. That everyone, everyone that is, that is, that is whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life will experience that second death. So Paul says, the wages, the consequences for that sin is death. And he continues. He says, so here's the issue. There's sin. There's a consequence for sin. But there's the love that God has for us. And the love that God has for us comes out of Romans 5. It says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ 
died for us. Listen, if you've ever struggled in sharing the gospel message with someone, you really need to take notes today because this is, this is a simple as it gets. This is, this is like walking someone, you know, to, to the candy shop and saying, pick any candy that you want. That's how easy it is, is helping them understand, why do I need a Savior? Well, according to Scripture, the reason you need a Savior is because we have all sinned. There's no one that is without sin. There's no way to appease the, the judgment of God. That's why Jesus became an atonement for everybody. He atoned the sins of everybody that who? That believes, right? There's that process that believes. And so then there's consequences for sin. And then there's the love of God. The love of God is what saves us from the second death. And then here's how it happens, right? Out of Romans 10. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There it is. It's that simple that if you and I, the Bible says that if we declare with our mouth, we have to speak it. We can't just think it. We can't just kind of live this life and go, well, I, I'm with Jesus. No, you have to declare that you're with Jesus. There's a reason for that. That's a whole other sermon. But, but Jesus, he wants to know which side you're on. You have to declare, right? It's like I declare that I'm with Jesus. You can't be ashamed of him. In fact, Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me here, he will be ashamed of you there. The exact words of Jesus. You have to declare. Declare what? That Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart. That's the faith. That God raised him from the dead. And then you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's good stuff. So good. It's good for, for those of us that, that have longevity with God to be reminded how simple it is to lead someone into a relationship with Jesus. How simple it is to know these scriptures, to know the word of the Lord so you can walk them through their own journey, right? You want peace? Because it starts with peace. It starts with a, 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 a lunch appointment or or a dinner conversation or they're hanging out at your house you're having a carne asada right it's like it starts with that and they're like man there's chaos in my life and I just I'm just looking for peace and you're like there's the open door oh I I, I can I can introduce you to the one who gives you peace but you need to be in a relationship with him you cannot receive his peace unless you are in a relationship with him And see the path to a relationship with Jesus. I knew I couldn't do it in 20 minutes. All of y'all were worried that I was going to be done in 20 minutes. I was like, Art wanted it really bad. See, the path to a relationship with Jesus Christ is clear. There's sin. There's a consequence for the sin. However, there's a gift of God. The love of God. John says it this way in John 3, 3, 16. We all know that one. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's that simple to, to receive salvation. It is that simple to receive and walk into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The hard part is, is the journey. That's the hard part. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that. You see, the, the world's peace is based on worldly resources, but the peace from Jesus is based on a relationship with him. There, there, there's, there's, there's a big difference from the resources of the world that might bring peace to your life for a moment, but it gets shattered pretty quick. And then there's the peace of Jesus. That it, is, it is unbreakable. When you have Jesus' peace, you can walk through the, through the worst storm of your life. Doesn't mean you won't mourn. Doesn't mean you won't hurt. Doesn't mean you won't, you're, you're exempt from this, this pain that comes with, with those uh, choices that we make and the consequences of those choices. It just means that, that you're not going to lose your mind in the midst of it. Some of, you, some of you haven't lost your mind yet, so you don't, you don't know what that means. But those of you that have lost your mind before and you're walking through a storm, you know the peace of God is so, so valuable to your life when storms come. So the Bible talks about peace, and one of the big words that it uses to describe peace is salome. And, and, and maybe you've heard that word from, from, from other religions, but, but shalom is, is a Hebrew word. And, and it's very important in understanding peace because shalom means, means this, this wholeness. It, it means wholeness. And, and so when we receive the peace of Jesus, when we receive his peace, the peace of heaven, there's a wholeness that comes into our life. And again, it starts with, with, um, with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the wholeness is in, it, the applications are endless. So the wholeness is in, in prosperity. The wholeness is in health. The wholeness is in your legacy, your children, generations, right? I love that song that we sing, Blessings, right? I think we got slammed on, on Facebook for it. Right? Someone has said that we are singing a, pro, a prosperity gospel song. I'm like, well, apparently whoever slammed us does not know scripture because, because that song it's, it's inspired by scripture, right? It's the priestly, the priest's blessing that, that comes out of Numbers chapter 6 where God says, you bring the people together and this is what you say over them. May the Lord's peace be upon you, right? May his face shine upon you and may you have his grace. And then he continues out of Deuteronomy. He's like, and your children have favor in God, right? And for generations and generations, the favor of God be in your life. That's what shalom is. That's that there's this, there's this peace that goes with you Wherever you go, wherever you go, and in your whole, your, 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 your sound of mind, your, your sound in spirit, there, there's prosperity in your life. Not, and it doesn't just mean a, a monetary prosperity. It means there's this, there's this prosperity of who you are as a person that comes from the peace of God. My goodness. I, I, I need the peace of God. It's kind of what Isaiah says. Isaiah says in the 61 chapter, 61st chapter, he says, and, and he says this, 
And God will provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That's the peace of God where we come into this this relationship and we have this mourning in our heart. We have this this this. Uh, Chaos is going in our life. We have all kinds of ashes. But God says, I'm going to make an exchange with you. I'm going to take your earthly peace from you. And I'm going to give you heavenly peace. And so that exchange is just, he gives beauties for ashes. And he gives strength for fear, right? And, and, and what, what's the end result of that? The end result is that, is that you are an oak. You're an oak tree. You're, the, the metaphor, the imagery that, that Isaiah is using is this stability that no matter what, your roots are deep and they're strong. And why are they strong? They're, they're because it's for his glory, right? It's to display his splendor, right, and, and his majesty. So when you are going through a storm and you have the peace of God in your life, it's not so that you can, everyone can look to you and go, man, you're just an awesome human. You're just, you just have everything under control. No, they look to you and go, I have no idea how you're still standing, but there's just something about you. And you get to say, because my roots are deep in the Lord and he has given me beauty for ashes. He has anointed my head with oil. He has given me what I need for my life to sustain me in this moment of pain and chaos and, and trouble. And so I am an oak tree. And my, my tree is a splendor unto God. It brings glory to him. My life being held together under pressure brings glory to God. Isn't that good? That's the kind of peace I want. It's the kind of peace I need. Isaiah knew it. Jesus knew his disciples needed it. Here, here's the second point. The second point is the world's peace diminishes, but Jesus' peace is boundless. It diminishes. We talked a little bit about that. And, and, and I, I don't know if there's many people who, are, who will disagree with the statement I'm about to make, but maybe you might. I don't know. But I, I think we live in a culture of immediate gratification. We've been living in this culture for decades. Immediate gratification. We need it now. I mean, the sales of cell phones ought to give us a good indicator how dissatisfied we are with waiting, with patience. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's, it's bad. We, we, we don't know what delayed gratification is anymore. We, we have no idea as a culture. Uh, our children really don't understand what delayed gratification is um, because we have, we have trained them that way. Y'all hear it? Y'all hear music? You don't hear it? There's something on back there. Can you can you check that? That's driving me crazy. Um, <clears throat> where were we? It, I was, that's a test, Melissa. You're supposed to know. Delayed gratification. We we don't know what that is. Y'all really can't hear that? 
Oh, you can hear Pedro? Thank you. I, I thought I was losing my mind. There's something going on back there, right? It's like someone's jamming out. I'm trying to figure out what song they're listening to. That's, that's what's going on in my head right now. <laughs> like, what are they listening to? Um, <clears throat> because of this culture that we live in, we, we have really taught our children and even ourselves. We've allowed ourselves to be, to be <laughs> you know, drawn into this vortex of, 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 of what it means to wait on the Lord. And here, here's, here's, a, here's a good example of that. If I was to just, the, the scripture teaches us to, to be still and be silent and to wait on God. It's one of the ways we can worship him. Thank you. Did you, did you have to do some, yeah? Was it, was it Joe? Was it Joe? No? Oh, smaller. Whose kid is it? Let's call him out. Let's, <laughs> you're like, it's my kid, Pastor. I'm sorry. <laughs> let's, let's use him as an illustration. Is that what we do as, as principals? We bring that one kid and we show him? No? That's what they used to do to us. They used to put us in front of the class and say, you do not act like this. It, it really put the other kids in line. Um, boy, school was different for us, wasn't it? We used, to, we used to go to the office and have to get spanked by the coach. How many, how many of you lived in that era where, where the, oh, there you go. Okay. We'd have to go to, go to the office because once they sent you to the office, you knew, man. Oh, and in and, and my school, it was, it was kind of an oxymoron because he was called Coach Little. But there was nothing little about Coach Little. And, and you did not want to go see him when it came for discipline. And uh, every year, your parents would have to sign that, that form, right? Like, are we allowed to discipline your children? My parents did not hesitate. I said, yes. I'm all over the place now. Delayed gratification. Why, why is that important? <laughs> we shouldn't play music. Ah, here it is. See, this is why I have a manuscript, because it gets me back on track. Hey, when, we, when we understand that our culture... Is, is surrounded by this, this temptation to always have something now, right? To have something now. It, it, creates, it creates a false sense of security, no, mat, no matter what it is. It's a false sense of security of what we think we need to possess. And, we, and for some reason, we put all of our, uh, all of our energies in it, right? We, we put all of our hope in this, oh, man, I need this new phone, or I need this new car, I need this whatever it is, right? And we're like, and then once we get it, how do you feel after you get it? Most of us have buyer's remorse. Most of us feel like, why did I do this? Why did I spend the extra money? Why did I do that? And then it, because of the contract world that we live in, you can't ever undo what you did, right? It's like you're stuck in it. And so... And, and that's why credit cards are bad for you, right? Because it, most of us don't have the discipline to have a credit card because, like, let me just put it on the credit card and pay for, pay for it later. We don't understand that delayed gratification that, that God wants us to have. It's imagine if God was to answer all your prayers immediately when you pray them. Imagine. My goodness, with some of us would be in a mess. We would be in an absolute mess. But 
through waiting on the Lord and, and learning to be mature in him, some of our prayers get revised because we're like, okay, I realize, God, I don't need that. I don't, I don't have to have that in my life. I don't have to have that part of me so that I can be whole or, or complete. No, not at all. What you need is the peace of the Lord so that you can be whole and complete. And so the world, the way the world would, would, would deal with, with chaos or try to bring peace into our life is to go get it, go chase it, whatever it is, whatever it is. If your relationships are, are in a turmoil, just leave the one you have now and go find another one. And because and, the one you have now, it's, it's the opposite of peace. It's hostile. It's violent. It's, it's whatever it is. But you know what? If you just end that one, and I'm not just talking about marital relationships. I'm talking about friendships and, and, and people that you've had part of your life. And you're like, well, I just don't need them in my life anymore. Instead of just having the peace of the Lord to work through the, the, the hostility or work through the friction, right? The maturity to work through those things. what the world says but it fades it fades it's like if you're feeling financial pressure where the world says you know what go find the best paying job you can you can have it doesn't matter if it if it if if it costs you 80 hours of your life every week it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if it costs you every weekend of your life it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if it costs you because that's what's going to bring peace to your mind. Is if if I can have a, a six figure income, if I can have, if I can just reach this this pinnacle, that's that's what I want. And so I'm going to do whatever it takes to go get it. And once you're there, because most of us will will probably have the tenacity and the discipline to get there. And once you're there, you're like, man, I lost so much getting to this point. Was it worth it? And the thing that you thought was going to bring you peace actually brings you stress and anxiety. And it brings you, it brings you the opposite of peace. Because that's, that's what the world's peace does. It diminishes. It's not designed to meet our heart's desires. It's not designed to sustain us. Not at all. Only Jesus can do that. That's it. I have this, this illustration that, that it really, I really struggled with this because um, statement, the statement that this, this person made is powerful. Um, so I have to kind of set up the story so I can so the illustration, the application illustration makes sense. But um, about two years ago, Katie decided to go into the secular world and, and get a job, and, and so she works um, as a mortgage loan officer. So that's what she does. She helps people buy their homes, which is cool. She gets to meet a lot of people, a lot of realtors, and um, she's been doing that for about two years. And <clears throat> one, one realtor that she met um, made this statement, and and because I don't quite remember how the conversation started, but it was, it was around this idea of, of there, there's so many realtors and, and we live in a small little, little city, right? And so there's this, there's this cross-pollination always happening between real estate agencies and, um, 
So if I'm driving down the street and I see this house for sale, I call the number on the, on the sign and that realtor automatically thinks that they're my realtor because I want to inquire about that house. But I could have another realtor that's working with me. I'm just driving around, want to know information about this house. And not understanding the, the climate of the real estate agencies, um, I don't call my realtor and say, hey, can you give me information on this house? I just call the number on the house, right? That's just, just how life is. Well, you can imagine the chaos that that creates, right? Because now you have realtor A who's been working with you for, for weeks maybe, then you make a phone call to realtor B, and all of a sudden, like, there's this conflict, and, and Katie's like, well, how, how do y'all deal with those conflicts when you have the same client that's, that's trying to buy a house and there's different realtors, you know, working with this one client? And, and you, can, you can kind of see how the cutthroat um, uh, process will happen, right? So those of you that are buying a house and you're working with a realtor, be, be loyal to your realtor. Don't call the number on the sign. <laughs> call your realtor. And, uh, and so... Katie doesn't have to deal with that part. She deals with the mortgage and providing you the financing for the house. And, and so uh, this one realtor said, I look at it this way. Here's the statement. This realtor said, I look at it this way. I say, do I want my kids to eat or do I want their kids to eat? And I'm like, when I first heard that, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. You know, I, I, I definitely do want my kids to eat. Um, not that I want your kids to live in poverty, but, uh, you know, and so the execution of that really never really got worked out in my mind. But that statement always stayed. This is like two years ago. That statement always stayed with me. It's like, it's like what, is, what, is, what does that mean? And as I'm working for this, through this sermon idea, I'm going, well, there it is. I thought for a moment, like that statement, it seems so cutthroat. It seems so like, like, man, I could care less about your family. And if you knew this person, you're like, no, that's not how they really feel. But because that statement is loaded with fear, when you think about it, it is so loaded with fear that I'm willing to do whatever it takes, and if that means derailing someone else's life so that I can get paid, so that I can have a peace of mind through my money, that I'm willing to do that. And the more I think about it, that, that's how the world operates. That's how the secular business operates. They don't have Christian values that are going, okay, I'm thinking about someone else before I'm thinking about myself, right? Because that's the Christian value. If you read the book of James, James says you consider other people first before you, before yourself, right? That's the Christian view of it going, man, if I'm in conflict with another realtor, then, then if I have this quandary, then what do I do? Well, the Christian value would say, you, you politely step away. Like, oh, I can't lose that much money. I can't lose, you know, realtors make, what, 3% on, or 6% on a house? I, I can't lose that much money. There's no way I'm going to step away from that. That's secularism. That's, that's how the world thinks. Why? Because there's this fear of going, if I don't get that paycheck, then who's going to provide for me? Here's the peace of God. 
The peace of God says, I can walk away. Will I lose that money? Will, I hurt? Will, it, will it hurt to lose that money? Absolutely. But my faith and my trust is not in mammon. It's not in money, but it's in God. And because it's in God, I have this wholeness and this ability to hear you clap, but find yourself in this situation and go, can I walk away from $6,000? Can I walk away from $10,000? Can I honestly do that? Can I walk away and, and, and my mind be okay with it? The answer to that question is no if you do not have the peace of God. But if you have the peace of God, you're like, it's money. My father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. (laughs) He's the owner of it all. If he didn't want me to have this, this money, then I'm going to walk away from it because he has something else for me. You see? Do you want that kind of peace? Because, because that kind of peace changes the way we think. Which brings me to my, my third point, and then our worship team, if we can come. Um, it's this. It's the world's peace it trusts in the power of self where Jesus' peace relies on Jesus. There's a big difference. The world's peace diminishes no matter what you go after, no matter what you think you need. It's only going to satisfy you for a moment, but then it's going to be diminished. Absolutely diminished. It might last for a year. It might last even longer than that. But, but the point is, you, at some point in your life, you're going to look at what you thought you needed so bad, you're going to go, I don't need that. Why did I, why did I, you know, why was I pining for that so hard? And, 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 and God's like, because you, you don't know what delayed gratification is. You didn't wait and trust in me. <laughs> some of you, you I know this, is, this, this one's going to sting. Can I sting you a little bit before we bring some, some hope? Can we do this? Like, you know, we talk about, can I walk away from a $6,000 deal or, or a $10,000 deal? And you're like, yes, I can do it because, because I'm a Christian. But some of you can't even pay your 10% to the Lord. You're like, you can't even walk away from, from, from your, your 10% to God. You're like, this, no, I can't walk away from it. You can't walk away from it because you don't have the peace of the Lord. You're like, well, I don't believe in the Old Testament tithe. That's great. Some of you can't be generous unto God. Some of you can't live in New Testament generosity. Because if I give that much, then you know what? I'm going to be lacking. Peace of God says, it's his. It's his. I trust him. Here's here's the final point. Y'all ready? Y'all ready to jam out? Yes, I'm ready. Are y'all ready? Y'all ready to worship God? I, I love worshiping the Lord with you. The world's peace, the world's peace, listen, we trust in the power of self where Jesus' peace relies on Jesus. And so if I'm going to live by the world's peace, then, then I'm going to 
trust in myself. I'm going to trust in my own accolades, my own wisdom, my own knowledge. And I'm going to use those things to bring me peace. But if you're going to rely on Jesus' peace, then you need Jesus. It's the only way. Jesus said this. He says, in, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. And he's honest about it. He says, but take heart. Why does he say take heart? Because I have overcome the world. That's why. So so we're understanding that if I want peace that comes from heaven, I have to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ because he is the source of heaven's peace. He's the source of my peace. And and I and now, now I'm understanding that that <laughs> that's the entry, right? I always said it's easy to. To, to give your heart to Jesus. It's easy to say, oh, I'm, I'm wanna, I want Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord. But this is the hard part. Because even Jesus says, you're going to have trouble in this world. You're going to have trouble in this world. Most of us have lived long enough to have some trouble. We, we've lived long enough to have some trouble. And... and it hurts. Trouble hurts. Trouble no one wants. But I'm not here to tell you that you're going to be exempt from trouble. I'm not here to tell you that if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that, that all your pains go away. Because that is so far from the truth. In fact, it almost seems like it gets more painful. It almost seems like the, the hounds of hell are released against your life and, and, it's, and your faith is constantly being tested. It's like, ah, oh, I thought this Christian thing was going to bring me some relief. <laughs> Jesus said you're going to have trouble. But in the trouble, he says, take heart. In other words, don't be, don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. I'm going to leave you my peace. And if I leave you my peace, then, then scripture becomes, it becomes clear. Because it becomes clear in the sense that, that when, when it talks about the enemy of your life, right? When the enemy comes in like a flood, what is, what is God going to do? He's going to lift up a standard against it, right? That's what he's going to do. He's like, no matter what might attack you, I'm going to, I'm, I'm your strong tower. I'm your shelter. That's the peace that comes from God. We know these things and it comes into clarity. It comes into focus, knowing that no matter what I face, no matter what is going on in my life, that it's well with my soul. It's well. How can it be well? I don't know. Because, because the gift of God's indescribable. I cannot describe how I am walking through this, and, and, and if you excuse my French, how I'm walking through this hell. I don't know how I'm doing it. I don't know, but I just know I'm doing it with the strength of the Lord. And that's the beauty of his peace. In fact, this is what Paul tells the church of, of, of Philippians. He says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything with thankful hearts. Offer, your, offer up your prayers and requests to God. Then because you belong to who? Where are you at? Because you belong to Jesus Christ. We talked about that. It's, it's receiving his peace is by having a relationship with him. 
because you belong to him, what is God going to do? God will bless you with what? Come on. God will bless you with what? Peace. But it's not just some random peace. It's not just this peace that, that the world gives. Go one more slide for me. Because I love what he says. He says, God will bless you with peace. There, oh, there. It's, it's up there. Well, I'm trying to read it. It's like, you got to talk to me from back there. I'm too close. That popped. It says, you belong to Christ Jesus. God will bless you with peace that no one can completely what? Understand. No one's going to understand it. And this peace will control the way you think and feel. My goodness. <laughs> that sums it up right there. In other words, anxiety, if you belong to Jesus, doesn't rule in your heart and your mind. Because that peace controls the way you think, controls the way you feel. It, it surpasses our understanding. We don't understand it. We don't need to. We just know where it comes from. It comes from heaven. And here's the beauty of it. You can have it. You can have it. You don't have to live in anxiety and stress. You don't have to live with, with depression. You don't have to live with the fear of, of, of you know what, is someone going to pay my bills? Or you don't have to live with the fear of retirement. It's just like God's in control. There's a wholeness. It's shalom. Like you'll be prosperous in what you do because you put him first. You sought the kingdom first. And all these other things will be added unto you. But if you want worldly peace, keep chasing what you're chasing and you'll never be satisfied. Stand to your feet. I, this in no way minimizes what you might be facing, what, what struggles that, that are internal. Maybe you're at home and you're just like, this is, this is it's too easy. You're telling me all I have to do is believe in Jesus and accept him as my Lord and Savior and I get his peace? I, I'm just teaching you what scripture says. Yes, yes. We don't understand it. Maybe you don't need to understand it. Maybe you just need to walk in it. Because when you have the peace that comes from heaven, it it changes the way we think, the way we feel. You could actually take a deep breath and say it's going to be okay. I don't know how, but it's going to be okay. 
Do you remember that old song? Uh, a Christian song. And the chorus is like, I don't know when and I don't know how, but he'll do it again. Do, do you all remember that? I'm the only one. <laughs> it's like, Listen, you, you, you don't know, but he'll do it. His peace gives you peace. How many of you need the peace of the Lord this morning? I'm here to tell you, just keep your hands towards heaven. Just keep them towards heaven. Just Let's just, let's just transition right now with the surrendering to God. Just I just need your peace, Lord. I have anxiety. I have stress. I have I have worry. I, I, I can't seem to get over this COVID thing. Like I'm I'm constantly living in fear. Like just trust the Lord. Let his peace, let his peace just rest on you. Because if you belong to him, as we just read out of Philippians, if you belong to him. He is going to give you peace that surpasses all understanding. And then you can say, it's well with my soul.